Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Well, how many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Okay. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our series entitled Core Values. And this uh, title, the title of this message is the core value that's also so very important is we are a safe place for poor and for rich. So we want to unpack that to you this morning. And I believe there's a lot that we can learn and, and really begin to grasp from a biblical perspective concerning this particular core value. But we want to begin with a word of prayer. And we want to lift up Becky, who's actually uh, waiting for a liver transplant this is Jared's mom, and we need to pray that her white blood count go down. She got on the list. All right, well, that's already answered the prayer. We, did, we didn't even pray it yet, but uh, they've been praying that she get on the list for liver transplant. So uh, we just want to pray that all goes well uh, with the surgery and all that uh, will be involved with the surgeons and, and this entire procedure. So uh, let's join our faith, church, um, and lift up Becky this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you, uh, first of all, for the opportunity to gather together in this place, for the opportunity to worship you and receive from your word. I pray, Father, that you prepare every heart to receive what you have for them today. And Father, in particular, we lift up Becky before you. We hold up her hands as intercessors to stand in a gap for her. And Father, we pray for her health and well-being Father, we thank you that she has uh, been put on this list for a liver transplant. We just pray, Father, that you would allow this procedure to go well. We pray that you anoint the surgeon's hands and those assisting with this surgery in Jesus' name. Father, that Becky will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We thank you for your hand upon her life, and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So what are core values? Well, the core is something that's at the center. It's central. It's important, right? Uh, core values are actually guiding principles that dictate behavior, how we conduct ourselves as an organization, as a ministry, as a church, how we deal internally with one another, how we deal externally with the community, community around about us. Core values really are those uh, principles that determine how we live life. And so uh, at, at, at Refuge, our core values are based on biblical principles. And so we value the Word of God. And uh, we encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know a lot of times you know, we have all these devices where we can look up the Scriptures. But it's important to follow along with me. We have verses on the slide behind me. But it's important not only to read your Bible. It's important to live out the principles that we find in the Bible. And so... Um, I love Hebrews 4.12. It tells us that the word of God is living and powerful. It's living and powerful. Uh, the Bible is truth that brings freedom in our lives. Its message is timeless. Its word is incorruptible. And its truth will transform lives. Job 22.22 says, Receive instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. You need to take it to your heart. You need to not only read it, but you need to believe it 
and then live it out. I believe that the Word of God is capable of transforming your life. It really is. Even the hardest of hearts, it's able to give direction and purpose to our lives. The Word of God is life-giving, yet it confronts us at our point of greatest need for change. And so you may be confronted this morning by the Word of God, but allow that Word to work its process in your life to bring transformation. In this series, we're discovering more about the vision and the mission of Refuge. And at Refuge, we believe that all people matter to God. I believe this is the place where we can grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. It's growing in our faith. It's living out our faith so that we can impact the culture around us. So far uh, in this series, we covered uh, several core values. Uh, The first was we are people who cannot be broken. We are a family that will always forgive. We are peacemakers in a world at war. Sam Cahart brought that word that was great. And then last week, a body that when damaged will heal. And today, we are a safe place for poor and for rich. And these messages are free online. Uh, they're podcasts. So we encourage you, if you missed one of them, you can go listen to them or re-listen to them as you allow the Word of God to encourage you and build you up. If you're taking notes, you might want to write a few things down. I actually have four points I'm going to share with you this morning. And at the end of the service, uh, we are going to transition into communion. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we honor the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. But societies tend to oppress the poor and take advantage of the rich. And this is just a common thought I want you to take hold of. And one of the key scriptures in this message we find in Proverbs 22, verse 2. Proverbs 22, verse 2. It says, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. So realize that we are on common ground with the poor and the rich, and you may be somewhere in between, okay? Because most of you may not consider yourself poor, and most of you may not necessarily consider yourself rich, but yet it determines by what standard you're coming to that conclusion. Um, uh, Verse 22 in in that uh, chapter of Proverbs 22 says, Do not rob the poor. And so, because he is poor. Some people take advantage of the poor. Some people try to take advantage of the rich. Some people want to be someone's friend just because they have money. And their motivation isn't to really know that person, but it's what that person can do for them that motivates them to try to manipulate or whatever. Um, But let me give you a definition here concerning poverty. Poverty is the inability to support yourself. So now there are many reasons people become impoverished. So don't be too quick to judge. It's not just because of laziness. Now that's a good cause because Proverbs says a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands will surely come to poverty. To be poor 
is defined as having little or no money, goods, or other means of support, to be dependent upon charity or public support, and, and realize that our government has determined a poverty line, uh, that you are either above or beneath or below. Um, we understand, and if we look at the Greek, the Greek word for poor uh, that we find in Luke 21, verse 2, and it identifies the poor widow woman, okay? Not the poor little woman, the poor widow woman, okay? Um, is the word panethros, and this actually means needy, this, this particular word, um, uh, panethros. Gross, and if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm, I'm not the best at pronouncing Greek words. I don't know if you are. So if you know better how to pronounce it, then um, have at it, okay? The word poor is found 178 times in the English Standard Version of the Bible. Uh, the definition, now when we look at the contrast, the definition of rich, uh, and this is actually from yourdictionary.com. I, I, kind of, I was looking at different definitions and I came across this one. I, find, I found it somewhat interesting. The definition of rich means having great value, worth, or material wealth, or money, or containing ingredients to give something a heavy, deep flavor. Okay? An example of someone rich is Bill Gates. No one would probably disagree with that. An example of something rich is a cup of dark hot chocolate with whipped cream and chocolate shavings on top, okay? Um, how many of you had something rich this morning already, okay? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe later today, that dessert that you've been um, craving, all right? The Greek word for rich, I'm giving you some information, okay? This is the background uh, for a basis of having a greater understanding of what we're talking about. Sometimes we need reference points so we can really uh, learn and gain information so that we can have revelation, okay? So the Greek word for rich that we see in Luke twelve sixteen, which addresses the rich man in Lazarus, is the word euphorio, and it means to bear well, to be fruitful, to bring forth abundantly. And the word rich is actually found in 168 verses of the English Standard Bible. So it's 10 less than the word poor, but we see the contrast. It's pretty even. And if we look at the word wealth, we, we see that that's mentioned plenty of times within the Scripture. So point number one. You ready for point number one, taking notes? The poor and the rich have both been exploited in our society. I'll say that again. The poor and rich both have been exploited in our society. And Pastor Deb and I, we've both been around the poor and the rich. Um, Deb and I, a number of years ago, we were in Beverly Hills, California, and we were invited into a home that cost $20 million to build. And as we were touring this home and as the, we were being shown this home, we were seeing all the expensive pieces of furniture, the paintings and everything. And, and we were just kind of taken back in awe of this wealth. And, and the owners live in Indonesia. 
And they're only there about three or four weeks of the year. So they're not there that often. But yet, they're devout Christians. They own uh, television sta- stations, hotel chains, coffee shops, and businesses throughout all of Southeast Asia. And, and so they're, they're wonderful people. And, and we met the caretaker of that home. And basically, he lives there year-round. There's all these nice fancy cars in the garage. He maintains and keeps up that place, and so he treats it like it's his own. And I thought, now that would be the kind of job to have, right? Um, so, but to be around that wealth, you can be awestruck. You said, this is really amazing. But then you can look at the extravagance, the waste. But at close examination, the owners of that house invest millions of dollars into the work of the gospel, supporting missionaries, uh, Christian TV and radio. They basically pay for it 100% cover all the charges. So they're investing, and God continues to bless them and bless them and bless them. And so it's like, okay, God, this is really amazing to witness. And so I had a wealthy man tell me one time uh, how the blessing of wealth can become a curse and how people took advantage of him because of his wealth. He said if he hires a contractor and later he talks to somebody else that used that same contractor, they charge him twice as much for the job and for the work, for the time and effort they put into it. So because they knew he had money, they took advantage of, of, of that. And so, uh, and, and then again, and he always questioned how people, are they trying to get to know me because of what I have, or do they really want to get to know who I am? And the motive is something that uh, he would always question with people. Wealthy people also often live in fear of losing what they have, and and, and it's so it's, it's, it's something that money, they may have money, but really money may have them. And so, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. So what is true wealth? I believe that's important that we define true wealth. Riches and true wealth is more than money and things. If you're taking notes, this is something to write down. True wealth is only found in right relationship with God. And then there's an addition to that, because relationship is everything. That's most important. And from that, it's having all the resources to obey his will for your life, to advance his kingdom, not just to meet your personal needs, but to empower you and resource you to do his will, to advance his purpose in the earth, okay? And, and so that's important to understand. Um, God has made it clear in his word that he wants to bless his people. But we need to understand that some people have taken this and they, through perverted teachings, have misled people with wrong concepts of prosperity and wealth in its perspective. But yet, Prosperity is a biblical word. It's a biblical term we need to understand. But it must be kept in proper biblical perspective because God wants your needs to be met. He wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. In fact, that's what he spoke to Abraham in the book of Genesis. He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Why was Abraham blessed? So he could be a blessing. Why does God want to bless you? To make you a blessing. 
Amen? So we understand that principle. So in Deuteronomy 8.18, we, we see how God empowers us and gives us wealth to establish his covenant in this earth. And when we look at uh, chapter 28, it talks about the blessings, uh, Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. If you read through that, you can see the heart of God in his desire to bless his people. See, God does not want you to have a need-based mentality, but a seed-based mentality. And so what can I invest with my time, talent, and money to make a difference? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive because there's joy that comes in giving. You know, I, I love to receive but, you know, it's a greater blessing to be on the giving end, to see the joy when you're able to give something to someone and make a difference in their life, meet a need in their life. There's a joy that comes. And Jesus said that's the greater blessing, to be able to give rather than to receive. Now, it's okay to receive, but it's a greater blessing to give. And, and that's I actually, I'll read that to you. We can look at that verse, Acts 20, verse 35. Acts 20, verse 35 and uh, the scripture reads, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Point number two, as we're moving along here, we are not to have respective persons or disrespective persons based on their economic status. We are not to have respect of persons or disrespect of persons based on their economic status. You see, we often see two contrasts on opposite sides of the spectrum. But yet, we are all somewhere in the middle. And no one wants to be stereotyped, okay? And there are those that despise the rich. And there are those that despise the poor. When they see a poor man, they, they think right away. They judge him. Well, what did you do wrong, you lazy thing? Get a job. But they, people have no clue to why they're impoverished. Or to the rich man, why they've become wealthy. But yet, they're so quick to judge and cut them down. And, and we don't have that right. We don't have that right to judge people. I can remember growing up, and we were raised in a dairy farm just about 11 miles west of here, north of Junction City, Wisconsin. I didn't need to say Wisconsin. Junction City is in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm homegrown, okay? So don't hold that against me. But growing up, I had no concept that we were poor. I thought we were rich. I mean, we had almost 200 acres of land. We had, you know, pigs and cows and chickens and dogs and cats. We, we had so much on that farm. I felt so rich until I went to school and found out that we qualified for free lunch. And I'm thinking, free lunch? What is this? Well, yeah, you're, you're poor, so you get free lunch. And so there's that stigma. And then when I would compare what I had with other kids, I mean, city slickers, we call them. 
You call them city slickers? I mean, it seemed like they had everything, you know. They were rich, the city kids. Farm boys were poor. But I thought, they don't have what we have. We have fresh air. You know, we have these fields. We have so much. We have tractors, combines, you know. We have all this stuff, you know. You know. But yet, you know, my dad's annual income back in the day was $5,000 a year. You know, it's a break-even point, but it's a lot of expenses with running a farm. But my dad raised seven kids on that farm. And we all put in our effort and labor. We, it was a family farm. I mean, we just all worked together and did our part. Amen? And so, but I, it was like, I'm poor. I, I, that it just didn't quite register. But by the society standard, I, we, were, we were poor. Okay? Um, yeah, but Green Acres. Have you ever seen that song? <laughs> Green Acres is the life for me. I'm living. I, I could probably sing that if I really wanted, but you, you don't need to hear me sing. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh. See, the problem is we compare ourselves with others. Realize that someone will always be better off or worse off than you. My first trip to Mexico changed my life. I was exposed to such poverty. We went on a mission trip. Actually, my first time I went just across the border by El Paso and went in and just a few shops, bought some fake gold and got ripped off and left and kind of, yeah, I thought I was getting a good deal on some gold. So I found out it was, yeah, they got some good salespeople down there, you know. This is the real deal. I said, really? You paid this much in America? Really? I was gullible, you know. You know, marrying Pastor Deb, I'm not as gullible anymore. You know, she's, <laughs> she's, she's a wise woman. She's, she'll go, no, no, mm-mm. I don't leave home without it, okay? <laughs> All right. So my first trip, you know, going into central Mexico where there's no electricity, no running water, no appliances, and a whole family living in this adobe hut, you know, it's like, wow. And, and I can remember taking a shower, having a bucket of rainwater above me with a string and pulling it down, and, and it was not warm. It wasn't hot. It was kind of cold. And I thought, boy, this is a really interesting way to live life. But it's so common to people in central Mexico. And, and to be exposed to that, it was a wake-up call, number one, to realize how blessed I am. As an American, and what we have, even though what I had may not have been that much at that time, it was much more than what they had. And I've seen the most extreme of poverty in Kampala, Africa, Uganda, to see thousands of homeless people in the streets, driving through and seeing people putting cardboard over them to cover themselves. And and seeing people going hungry and, and not having enough to get by. And, and it, it breaks your heart, and, and you see that. It, it, it grieves you, like, why is this allowed to happen? It's such an injustice. And, and knowing that, you know, Lord, I can make a difference 
even in one person's life. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water, you don't lose your reward. So uh, I want to share some statistics with you just to keep things here in perspective. United States Census Bureau reports that in 2017, median household income was $61,372. So that would be mom, wife, any, whatever the average household income is in 2017. Now, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that median annual household income in the U.S. rose to $63,425 in March of 2019, so that's the most recent. When we look at average income around the world, the worldwide highest annual income per capita is earned in Monaco at a whopping $186,080 per household. That's pretty high. No income tax in that country. That's um, The smallest annual income per capita exists in Madagascar, at $400 annual income. That's $33 a month. In comparison, over 77 countries, the USA comes in ninth as far as the highest uh, annual income uh, reported. Um, Sweden's, Sweden is a beautiful place. We just had some guests at home this past week from Sweden. Their personal tax rate is the highest in the world at 61.85%. That's pretty high. And in most European countries, other countries that have, a, a, you know, they, they just pay a lot more in income tax. U.S. is 39.6%. That's average per capita. Uh, in 10 countries of the world, they have zero income tax. The closest one to America is the Bahamas. Okay? No, don't get any thoughts, okay? <laughs> anyway, here's a, there's a website I want you to check out. Uh, when we look at the top 1% of the world, uh, there is a website called the Global Rich List. And it's uh, www.globalrichlist.com. So you can find out where you rank in the world. If your annual household income is $30,350, you are in the top 1% of the world, which makes you the sixth, this is the, the 60th, 125,792nd richest person on earth by income. Okay? So, did you need me to say it again? Just look up the site and, and put your annual income there. It will show you where you rank in the world. Um, and so, when you think about the top 1%, is an income of a little over $30,000 a year, the top 1% of the world's wealth. So by that standard, if you earn at least that much, you're among the richest people in this world. And you might say, well, I don't consider myself rich. Well, you are by this standard. You really are. So you need to begin to be thankful that you weren't born in Madagascar, you know? at $400 a year. So a registered nurse or even an elementary school teacher, congratulations, the average wage for any of those careers falls well within the top 1% worldwide. And the current population 
is almost 7.8 billion people, according to www.worldmeters.info. If you go look at that site, it's, it's counting. You go to that site, the worldmeters.info, uh, and the meters counting. It shows the world population with uh, those that are actually being born. The truth of the matter is that Jesus said we would always have the poor with us. We would. Jesus said that we'd have the poor with us, and we are to give to the poor, because when we do, we lend to the Lord, and he will repay. That's Matthew 26, 11. It says, you will always have the poor with you, but me, you do not always, or do not have always. And so, and, and that was in context of, of, of Judas' comment about the woman that uh, poured out the expensive perfume at Jesus' feet. And Judas thought that was so extravagant with such waste, and he thought that should be given to the poor. But that was given to honor Jesus. The, the expense of that perfume was, was a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and so, but Jesus made that statement in light of that. Uh, we are to remember the poor, however. In Proverbs nineteen seventeen, it says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. You know, What's interesting is uh, when you give to somebody that's less fortunate, you don't ever expect that person to give back to you. But guess what? God keeps tabs on that. And according to the scripture in Proverbs, he will pay you back. He will get that back to you. And, and so don't ever uh, say, well, I'm not giving to them. You know, they, they got in that situation. They can get themselves out. No. Have compassion. Let the Spirit of God uh, lead you and direct you in, in every aspect of your giving in, when you minister to others. You should not despise the poor. You should not despise the rich. And guess what? I'm guilty of both. Um, and I think we all are guilty of despising the poor and despising the rich. We should not be too quick to judge if we haven't walked in their shoes. Uh, the book of James, and I'm just going to give you as a reference point, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, addresses that respective persons when it comes to judging somebody based on what they have. See, Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. If you have more, there's a greater requirement upon you, and uh, upon you uh, more than those who have less. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus made a statement, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetousness is that thing where you just want more. Enough is never enough. You're just grabbing hold of whatever you can get a hold of. He says, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. See, life is much more than what you own, much more than what you have. The problem is what people own sometimes really owns them when it comes to with the debt and all the things, the time requirements and the things that it requires. We often judge people by what they have or by what they don't have. And the Lord spoke to me about that years ago. said, don't ever judge somebody in that light by what they have or by what they don't have. And, and so my challenge to you is don't judge people. In Psalms 49, verses 1 through 3, it says, Hear this, all peoples, give ear, all the inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. 
My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. So we need to understand, in light of this passage, the message of the gospel is relevant to all people, regardless of their economic status. Oftentimes, the rich, can, can, they can say, well, I don't need God, I have money. But money can't buy health. Money can't save you. Um, only Jesus can. And so we also see in Proverbs twenty two sixteen. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. So again, you have to be careful in how you deal with that because there's pitfalls of wealth. Wealthy people who trust in their wealth often live in fear. Luke 9.25, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures here, but we're coming to a close here as we give you these last couple points. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and himself is destroyed or lost? There's no profit. You can't take it with you. But one minister said you can send it on ahead, you know, by giving into the gospel, giving uh, to others. God is not opposed to you having money, but he's opposed to money having you. We need to understand that. First Timothy 6, we see starting at verse 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and see, we need to find that place of contentment in our life because there's so many people that live discontent lives. And many times it's because of what they don't have, but they don't realize they're failing to look at what they do have. Their focus is wrong. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we, will, we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. So we always have to be, be warned about that. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction perdition. Now notice verse 10, because this has often been misinterpreted. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Realize that money is not evil. Okay, money is not evil. It's the love of money that is. Money in itself is neutral. And money is affected by the one who possesses it and how he spends it, how he uses it, how he directs it. And so if your heart is after God, when you have money, how you direct that will be reflected by what's in your heart. Okay, and, and so a, a man who's full of greed, a woman who's full of greed, they'll serve that for their own self-interest and not really consider the interest of God. And so uh, God shows no distinction over economic status, yet he holds us responsible as stewards to what he's entrusted to us, to whom much is given, as we said, much is required. As we read on in verse uh, 17 and 19, further in the chapter, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, there's a command, there's instruction to the rich in this life. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, that means prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. In other words, God says, if you've got a lot of money, don't trust in it, don't trust in it, don't trust in it. Put your trust in God, put your trust in him, okay, who gives us Richly, all things to enjoy. Yes, God wants us to enjoy these things. 
but we can't trust in those things. Verse 18, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. In other words, it's really what is of real value. And it's sharing what you have with others to make a difference in their lives. When everyone does their part, every need is met. You know, we're raising money to redo this parking lot out here. Some, some might only be able to give $10. Somebody might be able to give $1,000. But in perspective, everyone does their part. And it doesn't matter as long as everyone does their part, right? And every need will be met. And point number four, finally, poverty is a curse that Jesus broke and redeemed us from. Poverty is a curse. And we see that clearly in the Scripture. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That's in reference to Jesus dying on the cross. He was cursed. He took that curse upon himself. If you understand the curse of the law, it's threefold. It was poverty, sickness, and death. And you can study that out when you study Deuteronomy 28. You see the curse of the law. Uh, spelled out there quickly or, or very readily. Um, poverty is not just a physical economic condition. It's a mentality. See, we need to break free from a poverty mentality. Some people are plagued with a spirit of poverty. It's a mindset that, that afflicts their life. Poverty is not just an economic condition. It's a mentality that affects other areas of our life as well. See, uh, people... And I, I believe, and this is part of our vision, and even with this core value, that we are a safe place for poor and for rich, that the poor people that come through these doors, when they hear the gospel, when they hear the word of God, they won't stay poor. But God will begin to move in their life to bring them to a place from poverty to where they discover and find God's provision for their life. So they won't be on the need side of life. They'll be able to be on the giving side of life to bless others and make a difference because ultimately God wants us all to be givers in his kingdom and blessed to be a blessing. Scripture here, this is a scripture we see in the Bible that's so powerful, Second Corinthians 8, 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now what's important to understand is Jesus was not poor spiritually. He became poor physically. He emptied himself, the scripture says. So he bore your poverty so that you could be blessed. See, whatever curse was upon humanity, Jesus took that upon himself. And he became the substitute to exchange what was upon us to receive what was upon him. So he took our sickness and gave us health. He took our poverty to give us provision. He took our lost state to give us salvation, which is the most important. See, we are all poor spiritually until we encounter Jesus. In, in Luke chapter 4, he's quoting Isaiah. 
61.1. In Jesus' own words, as he opened up the scroll and read from Isaiah, declaring this about himself, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. See, according to Isaiah 25, 4, in regard to Messiah, who Jesus was and is, it says, for you have been, been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. So your riches cannot buy salvation because salvation is a gift Jesus purchased for you. See, it's no profit for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul. Sometimes the rich don't think they need God because they're self-sufficient. But they do because they can't take it with them. As we extend an invitation to you this morning, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never really committed my life to Jesus Christ. I've never really given my heart to him. I've never really surrendered to his lordship. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you even believe in God. But have you ever really accepted and put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior? So many people depend upon their good works, their own performance. And they think, I'm going to get heaven. I'm going to gain heaven because I'm a good guy. But being a good guy doesn't get you there. Jesus is the only one that can get you there when you put your faith and trust in him. And so I want you just to take a moment and bow your head. And, and if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Matt, I know that my life is not right with God. If I were to die, I'm uncertain where I would go. I don't know that I'd go to heaven. And if you desire to know Jesus, and discover who he is and who he wants to be in your life, I want to extend an invitation to you to receive him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I could receive Jesus so that I could make my peace with him, so that I could receive him into, into my heart and life as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, lift your hand. And we're going to pray together. Thank you. See, the, are there others this morning? Let's stand up. We're going to Stand up. We're going to pray this prayer together. I call it the Believer's Prayer. I appreciate those of you that responded by the raising of your hands. Uh, this, uh, this is an exciting moment, exciting time. As we open our hearts to receive Jesus, as we pray this prayer together, we can reflect upon the moment for those of us that have prayed this prayer before when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I know that he is raised from the dead. And he was raised to give me life. Jesus, I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I just thank him for coming into your heart to be the Lord of your life. Amen. Amen. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.